Hello everyone and welcome to the new episode of the VG Podcast. This is the first of two December podcasts because I wasn't able to do one in November. Things came up and, you know, it, 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 especially, you know, Thanksgiving, spending time with family and stuff like that. So I'll be doing two this month. I'll be doing another one later on in the month. I'm not ex- sure exactly when, but this is... Now, the date on this is December 8th, so tomorrow is the Game Awards, the new Warzone map goes public to everyone, and it's there's a lot of really cool stuff with games um, happening right now. Before I talk about games, um, I'll, I'll talk about some Blu-ray stuff here first. I recently, even though I thought I wasn't going to do it, I thought I wasn't going to do it, but I eventually did it. I bit the bullet. I got the 4K version of Mulholland Drive, and it was te- it technically ended up being the first 4K Blu-ray that Criterion Collection has ever put out. And I've talked about the movie extensively. I'll go briefly here. It's a very dreamlike perception of Hollywood and the expectations of Hollywood, and it's the story is told via a very irregular way without going into spoilers, but it's a great movie if you're into movies that are weird and strange and they don't quite provide you the, the answers that you always want, but it's interesting nonetheless. Like, it's one thing to have a movie that's just confusing for the sake of confusing, but for Mulholland Drive, it's interesting. It's fascinating. And, I mean, I'll go over this briefly. Um... One thing I will say is that if you if you like your Blu-ray, you already have it. If you already have this on Blu-ray, just know that the 4K Blu-ray is almost near identical to that version. Like the back of the box, the bo- the bonus features are the exact same. The only difference is when you open it, it has a extra spot like, it's the same packaging as it was originally, but instead of one Blu-ray, it's two, and the blue, and they look identical. They, one just says 4K UHD, and the other says regular Blu-ray. So, if you don't have Mulholland Drive, however, and you want to own it, then absolutely get the 4K Criterion Blu-ray, because it looks amazing. It looks fantastic. The colors are bright and vibrant. The darks are the dark colors are really nice, or when it's bright and lit up and vibrant, it looks amazing as well. Everything just works, you know. the The soundtrack, oh man, the soundtrack! Like I, I've seen this movie a dozen times, and one thing that I noticed with the four K viewing is the um, singing of the song um, by that ra- by that random actress who. Um, it's basically like a love song. It's like an upbeat love song. I That was just beautiful. It was just an amazing song, and I never really took the time to think about it until I ended up watching it again in 4K. So there's a lot of benefits to watching Mulholland Drive on Blu-ray in 4K if you like weird movies and stuff like that. Um, the next two Blu-rays that I'll talk about here, and again, I've talked about Mulholland Drive extensively, but... Um, Things that I haven't talked about as much. Uh, I recently, these Blu-rays apparent have been a little hard to get, but finally mine came in because I pre-ordered from Amazon like ages ago, and they're sold out again. But they were able to f- uh, fill my uh, 
order for the Fritz the Cat and the Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat Blu-rays. Now, I have to first immediately say that these aren't exactly the best of movies. I'm not necessarily getting them because they're the best of movies. What they are are interesting. Like, a lot of people... Like, entertainment isn't always necessarily like, oh, this is so fun and exhilarating. For, like, the, with the case of the original Fritz the Cat and definitely with Nine Lives, the main character is not exactly a likable person. He's kind of an asshole. He, he's, not, he's not nice to the people around him. The people that care about him, he's a jerk to. But yet, these movies are amazing time capsule, capsules of the political climate of the 60s and the 70s. Fritz the Cat, the original Fritz the Cat, came out just after the, um, you know, the era of the hippie, so to speak, which was, it, this movie came out in 1972, there it is. It came out in 1972, which, is ju- which Woodstock was 1969, and this was very much a criticism of hippie culture through the eyes of this character, Fritz the Cat, who just wants to go and feed his ego. And the... It's controversial because a lot of people think that the depiction of um, other races in the movie are, it's like somehow racist, but the characters are distinguishable and they're not seen as like bad or lesser just because they're seen as different. And I feel like Fritz the Cat and Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat are very important movies on that front, even though they aren't the greatest movies. Now, Owning these movies on home video has been kind of a really, really weird story because the only way you could previously own these on a physical, like, home video release would be the old DVDs. The problem is those old DVDs were only, like, briefly printed, and then they just stopped making them. So the regular Fritz the Cat DVD would go for hundreds of dollars if it was unopened, but even if it was opened, it'd still go for fifty to a hundred dollars just for an old used DVD that may or may not work. I had a friend who had a copy and it stopped working on him just because he watched it many times. And the same is true, but to a lesser extent, for Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat, the sequel, which came out in nineteen seventy-four. It um the the DVD for Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat would be like a little cheaper. Like if you wanted to get it used, maybe twenty or thirty bucks, brand new, maybe a hundred duck, a hundred bucks. But these movies don't stay in print long, and so I wanted to make sure that I had physical copies before they went out of print. Particularly because the, these are actually the first movies to get an X rating from the MPAA and an R rating from the MPAA for an animated, the first animated, X-rated, and R-rated movies. So they're historically significant on that front, even though the subject matter is very... is not. It's going to rub some people the wrong way, and a lot of people won't like it. Um, now, going back to the Blu-rays themselves, the... Fritz the Cat Blu-ray that it, that comes with it only... the regu- the original... It gives you a theatrical trailer, and it also gives you an audio commentary, but um, that's honestly it. And I, if I remember correctly, the audio commentary's been around for a while, so it's not like it's something that's super new. And the Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat Blu-ray, I don't, it doesn't even, I didn't even see a trailer. It was literally just, oh, here's the movie, there you go. And it's like, what, you can't even put the trailer in? Like, 
that, that to me that would seem kind of annoying but um i mean it but the i mean it's good to have the movies and this is more of just having them on a copy uh, on not only having physical copies but since they're on blu-rays they are very very they they are they don't break as easily as DVDs. Like I could put in Fritz the Cat and watch it a hundred times on Blu-ray, and the Blu-ray still will still work. Unlike a DVD, where if you did that with the DVD, the DVD may not work anymore after that point. So I wanted to own these. Um, picture quality, um, honestly, on the Blu-ray, it's only it's a little bit improved over the previous DVD, but you can tell they didn't really do a whole lot of remastering or or cleaning up work because the print is still a little rough here and there. And so it, it's kind of frustrating in that regard, but these Blu-rays are more just having it on a physical format before they disappear. Um, and so let's see here. Did I get any other Blu-rays? Um, oh, I, I did get fast nine on Blu-ray during, during um, a black Friday sale, but that, that's because it was so cheap, and it is a hilarious movie. I think I've talked about it before. It's it's pure comedy. It is worth Fast and Furious Nine is worth watching once just in the comedy regard. Um, and um, I did watch a little bit of. Uh, I, I guess this will be the movies and TV section. Um, I did. I did watch Black Lotus, which is the new Blade Runner animated show, and um, I won't I won't go like too far into that because honestly, it's not it, it's good, but the animation is a little divisive, and so a lot of people aren't going to like it as much, and. It, it, it's definitely takes inspiration, honestly, more from like Blade Runner 2049 and that movie, because Blade Runner 2049, when it was coming out, it had a, um, it had three shorts that connected to the movie itself. And one of those was called Blade Runner 2022, which was a 16-minute short film that was included, that was animated, and basically told the story of how a major blackout caused society to have to change in, some, in, in a way. And Blade Runner Black Lotus takes place 10 years after that, feeling the aftereffects of that. And so the, in, in this universe... 2022 is when the blackout happens, and so Blade Runner Black Lotus takes place in 2032. Um, it's about a character who's a replicant. That's that's not a spoiler. Anybody who's watched Blade Runner will know that she's a replicant immediately. But um, And she's trying to figure out what, what happened to her. She has like memory loss and how she's connected to this grand, greater plot. I think the the show is interesting, but at the same time, the animation can be a little let's just say rough and yeah it's i'll just say it's rough um so it's interesting to watch but at the same time it's not not ideal not not ideal at all so that's my impression of that have i let's see here have i watched anything else um 
I'm trying to think if I watched any more. I recently have been rewatching the Rocky movies, which has been a lot of fun. But what, like, I it's more me just like skipping through them because I've seen, oh boy, I've seen each of the Rocky movies several times. Maybe not as much number six, Rocky Balboa. I've seen that one only like a couple times. But when it comes to it comes to Rockies one through five, I mean I've already seen them a ton of times, so there's only so much I can get from them. But those are just such great movies. If you haven't watched the Rocky movies, just go watch the Rocky movies. Um, yeah, I'm sorry this podcast is a little bit more rambly. I didn't want to come into. I wanted to try a podcast where I didn't come into it with a specific format where I had everything bullet pointed like oh I want to talk about this I want to talk about this I want to talk about this I'm just trying to do a podcast off the cuff see how it sounds see if I can do it see if I can you know be able to keep it going and so far so good I guess um I'm trying to think if there's any I because I always like tend to forget forget shit but I, maybe you know. Maybe I'll I'll take a sec and I'll do that. Alrighty, um, gonna take the first um, ad break, but wait just around and I will be right back. Hello everyone. Thank you for listening to the show so far. I just want to drop in a quick reminder that you can now buy merchandise to support the show. All you got to do is go to teespring.com slash thevgman dash merch. That's teespring.com slash thevgman dash merch. I currently have a t-shirt on there now and I'll be adding more merchandise in the future. So feel free to go to that website, check it out, maybe get yourself a shirt and support the show. Thank you so much and now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the uh, gaming news section. I'm just write, writing something down real quick before I forget, because i got to do time codes and stuff like that. Um, a lot of these games are based on stuff that I've played on the Xbox, which, you know, the, the one thing that's going to be a recurring thing in this gaming section is Xbox has been killing it this holiday season. As a matter of fact, I'll mention this now, the Xbox Series X was the most popular, sorry, the Series S is the most popular selling console on the Black Friday sales between the PlayStation 5, the Xbox Series X. But, I mean, that that's not surprising. They've made it much easier to get an Xbox Series S than an X or even a PS5 or a digital ps5 digital ps5 but the easy accessibility and the it's it's not significant because they against those consoles because they've sold like as many as they could before they run out due to you know scalper bots and stuff like that but it outsold the nintendo switch which is definitely a sign that people are noticing what xbox is doing because for the last, I mean, several months, the ser- the Nintendo Switch has been outselling a lot of other, all the other game consoles. Because the Switch is, it's a, there isn't a new generation of Switch. Switch has a lot of games that are still coming out that people want to play, like Pokemon 
brilliant diamond and shining, shining pearl or whatever they are. Um, but the fact that the Series S is selling so well is a sign that people are taking notice of what Xbox is doing and what a great deal Xbox is. I had wait, uh, recently um, the one of the heads at Microsoft said it, he didn't officially say it, but he sort of confirmed that the new Elder Scrolls game is going to be exclusive to Xbox and PC. The moment that news dropped, I had two friends immediately go out and get an Xbox Series S. And they were able to just snap and get one and not have to pay any extra money or anything like that. All because, all because oh, this is a good deal. I mean, $300 is a fantastic... I, and I, I even said that when I got the Xbox Series S, is that the, the price is amazing. $300 is a fantastic price for the console. It, it it's the it's literally the best next gen deal like you get current gen titles and yeah it's digital only but you get a really powerful little a little box of a system and it's just so it's so good and with the and part of the reason is not only because of Xbox the series as selling so well but they recently had some really big releases drop day one on Game Pass, and those are the ones I'm going to talk about now. Forza Horizon 5. Y'all knew I was probably going to enjoy this game simply because I've talked so highly of Forza Horizon 4, but Forza Horizon 5 is just... Oh, it's, it's a masterpiece of a game. It is so much fun. It basically is Forza Horizon 4, but they made it better. They made it run really well on um, current-gen consoles like an Xbox Series S or an X. They make it run beautifully. The, the graphics are beautiful as well. They make it exciting to drive around in cars. You know, you have so many car games that take themselves so seriously. And this is a game that literally the opening scene of the game has you in a car being dropped out of a plane... And you just hit the ground and drive and go. And it's exciting and it's exhilarating. And one of the first cars they give you in the game is a really nice Lamborghini. Which, ooh, ooh, that, that car. That car for a while was my go-to car. But then when you get into the rhythm of how the game works and you start unlocking other cars, you'll find another car that suits your fancy more than the Lamborghini is. Even though the Lamborghini is amazing in the game. I... The one of the best parts about the new Forza Horizon game is the fact that progression is based on the races that you want to do. And yeah, eventually you'll get to a point where you know if you want big ch big chunks of XP, you'll have to go to them. But it'll be it takes a while before you'll get through the races that you'll want to do because the way the game divides it up into like cross country races, street races. Um, drag races, etc. And like if you level up enough, then you get to choose, hey, which of these categories do you want more missions for? Do you want more cross-country races? Do you want more drag races? And you pick which one and it levels it up and it gives you more of those kind of races. So you're able to play the game the way you want to play the game. And it's it's so well designed and you're in this constant process of unlocking new cars and driving new cars and you could 
go crazy and start driving through walls and driving through the terrain, or you could try to have super serious races. It really is a game that just, it's, it's about fun. It's just about going out and having some fun driving around and driving cars. And that's what's so beautiful about it. That's an easy recommendation for me, especially since it's on Game Pass and it's available on Xbox One. So absolutely play Forza Horizon 5. Um, one, th- one thing that happened recently was the surprise launch of the Halo Infinite multiplayer, which I, I'll just go into it right now. It's just fantastic. Besides the few glaring issues that are... You know, they need to be addressed, no doubt. But the overall moment-to-moment gameplay is just so good. I recently got to Platinum 1 in the uh, Open Queue Crossplay category, which, for those who don't know, um, the game gives you a choice of solo-slash-duo queues or open queues. And basically, an open queue is where you can play with up to four friends. And it's basically 4v4 combat. You could play with up to four friends. Well, sorry, up to three friends. Sorry, including yourself. Um, you're able to play three uh, with three more friends and have a full squad. But not just that. You might encounter controller players, but you might also encounter keyboard and mouse players. And it's just even still, it plays so well. And part of it is I um, have a friend of mine who, when I was playing with, he told me a control scheme that I tried out and I've switched to, and it's made the world of difference. I, it's very specific settings on, like, Dead Zone Threshold, and that's all stuff that I didn't know. But he gave me the recommendation for it, and it's made the world of difference with the game. Um, I'm still not Diamond Tier like some of my other friends, but, I mean, Platinum in a Halo game, in open queue with crossplay and keyboard and mouse players, I mean, for me, that's a personal victory. Um... It plays like Halo you remember, but it has upgrades and has all kinds of stuff to make the game better. Like, for example, there is a, um, like when you shoot an enemy, you can visually see on the enemy's body much easier where you're at with damaging them. Like before, it would just be, oh, their shields are low, they're going to have you know, the sparkly effect over them. But in this game, if you put a few shots into them, you can see that you put a few shots into them. And it 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 helps make the game just so much more smooth. There's no loot boxes or pay-to-win stuff. There is the microtransactions, which are pretty pretty rough, honestly, because the the microtransactions have been kind of steep. Like, they'll charge you for blue for four or five different kinds of outfits and it's just it's ridiculous and it needs to get fixed battle pass progression was screwed up for a while there but they they did they did work on that they basically made it so if you do your dailies and log in every day you'll be able to level up the battle pass in no time i would say if you leveled up 100 days or whatever you'd be able to do it but at the same time that's a lot of days and that's a lot of matches so not perfect, but at the same time, it's just it's just such a good game that, and it's free to play, so it's absolutely worth downloading. So, um, yeah, that's another recommendation. If you have an Xbox, you don't even have to have Game Pass or anything to play the multiplayer. You just got to have a Microsoft account and an Xbox that's connected to the internet, and you're set to go. 
So that, that it's just such a good game. It's absolutely worth playing. Uh, earlier today, I played some Serious Sam 4, which got a surprise launch on the on the Xbox Series X slash S and the PlayStation 5. And the reason I'll only talk about it briefly is because it's a Serious Sam game. I've talked about Serious Scam games, and they're basically like the same game every time, but upgraded, and the same thing's true here. It's the same game, but it's upgraded to make it a little better. But the character models still look blocky and old school. But what makes this game crazy is how many enemies swarm you. When you play the first few minutes of Serious Sam, you get thrown into this huge battle with, no, no joke, literally thousands of enemies right in front of you. It's a truly a bonkers sight to behold. And the game was only going to get crazy from there, crazier from there. So another Game Pass recommendation. Uh, if you have it, download it, go for it. It is available on PS5 as a launch bundle, but with PS5 you have to drop $40, which... It's worth it if you don't own the other Serious Sam games because the other Serious Sam games are included with that bundle. So if you don't have the other Serious Sam games on PlayStation already, then that's so worth the $40. But since I already have that, there I just want to wait until it gets a little cheaper, you know. I feel like $30 is a little bit better because it is Serious Sam, the game a, ga- a first-person shooter game with a lot of circle strafe mechanics and a lot of clunky stuff in it. But it's just fun. It's just one of those pure chaos fun games. So on to GTA Definitive Edition. Holy crap, what a shit show this has been. You would think, hey, just remaster the classic Grand Theft Auto games and re- and put them out, and it'll be perfect, right? 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 And then they just walk out the door. The so, There's so many bugs and issues with the Definitive Editions at launch, but... It's just sad and disappointing that Rockstar really didn't care enough about GTA to release it in a state that was ideal. And instead they just do stuff like that where uh, where they just where they they act like they care but they don't care, you know, and it's it's frustrating. For those who don't know, it's it, it's a it's a total colossal shit show. It's the game games that came out years ago have been re-released and they're full of bugs and technical issues that were there from that there were old issues that were in there and there are issues that are from this new port like typo errors because they did an AI upscale to the whole game and the AI upscaling misinterpreted what was being said on the on the bulletin board so it ended up being looking ridiculous so I, I guess not much to say about that other than GTA having controversy in a different way, but this time Rockstar screwing it up. Now, one thing they did announce today in the world of GTA, and specifically GTA Online, is they're going to have a story campaign in GTA Online featuring Dr. Dre and um, Franklin from uh, the GTA 5 story campaign. And apparently there's going to be some kind of mission where you have to steal back unreleased songs that was stolen from Dr. Dre. And that looks actually very interesting. I can't wait for more details, but they're they're going to have an EMP launcher, which is going to be so awesome. Because flying motorcycles has always been an issue in GTA, and now you have an EMP launcher, which will basically take care of that. Take care of that really quickly. 
people aren't going to want to do flying bikes anymore. They're going to get disabled out of the air. I could, I could see it now. I, I, I literally picture it in my head right now. Um, but that, that's all on GTA, you know, disappointing about the remasters, but GTA online looks like it might have some cool stuff. <coughs> um, Fortnite. Um, Fortnite recently had its new chapter launch, and it's it's really nice. They got rid of the UFOs and the dinosaurs, and they've put in Spider-Man and the Rock. I'll I'll take it. Um, it plays just like Fortnite. The Battle Pass challenges they've made it they've made it a little grindier, but it's not like it's not like super grindy. It's it's much more streamlined. You know, it takes a little bit longer to level up a battle pass, but at the same time, it's not like you're, you're strapped for challenges. So, Fortnite did some good stuff. I got the battle pass. I'll definitely be leveling that up. I'm level, like, 42, and it's been out for only a couple days, so I'm definitely going to be on that. That and Halo Infinite. Um, oh, the campaign for Halo Infinite came out recently, and the first few levels I played are really awesome, but I haven't really played enough of it. To give an impression. So on the later December podcast, I'm going to talk more about the Halo Infinite's campaign and how it plays out. Um, final gaming topic um, this evening is uh, the Game Awards are coming up, and there's some very, very interesting um, games that are nominated. And um, one thing that I, that stands out to me is the fact that Cyberpunk was actually nominated for a couple of awards. Now, they were only in, like, more minor categories, and they weren't in, like, major big categories. But at the, at the same time, the fact that it was nominated for anything is... It, it's amazing. It's it's quite amazing. Um the um and I'll go I'll go I'll briefly go through um nominees and stuff like that um uh this is one I want to talk about best ongoing game it's it's between Apex Legends Genshin Impact Warzone Final Fantasy 14 online and Fortnite for that I I honestly hope Apex Legends because Apex Legends has made some mistakes but they've just been consistent and more interesting Final Fantasy XIV has been doing the same thing for a while. Warzone's been a shit show. Genshin Impact is a money printing machine, but not really much of a game. And Fortnite recently got good again because of its dinosaurs and getting rid of its dinosaurs and UFOs. Best multiplayer game, Monster Hunter Rise, Valheim. New World, Knockout City, Back for Blood, It Takes Two. I hope It Takes Two gets that. Because It Takes Two is actually a really good game. Role-playing game. Monster Hunter Rise, Scarlet Nexus, Shin Megami Tensei V, Tales of Arise, and Cyberpunk 2077. That I'm amazed that Cyberpunk got even nominated at all. That, ama- amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, now, Game of the Year. I did want to touch on Game of the Year. Resident Evil Village, It Takes Two, Psychonauts 2, Metroid Dread, Deathloop, and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Um, that's a tough one. Um, me personally, and this is, again, this is just me personally, everybody can have their own opinions, and it's based on what I've played. I've played a little bit of each of these, but I've played more so than others, some more so than others. 
I feel like Deathloop because I feel like Deathloop was a game that was actually a very interesting concept and it was very well executed and it it really made you feel rewarded for being a gamer and playing through it and being smart and being able to figure stuff out. Metroid Dread is another Metroid game. Psychonauts 2 is good, but you know, it's it's a lot of its nostalgia. It Takes 2 is a great game, but it's a little simple and its narrative is a little bit more divisive. Resident Evil Village is good, but at the same time it's not like an amazing story per se. And Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is a tech demo for the PlayStation 5. A really good tech demo, but it's a tech demo nonetheless. So I personally go Deathloop in the Game Awards category. Alrighty, that um that covers the um gaming topics. And I'll take one more break here, and then I will close off the show with talking about my experience going to All Elite Wrestling Dynamite taping, the All Elite Wrestling Dynamite taping on December 1st. That was a lot, a lot of fun. And I'll talk about that on the other side of this break. Hello, everyone. Just as a quick reminder, you can support the show in multiple ways. The first way is Linktree. That's linktr.ee slash thevgman. That's the link. You can also support the show via Anchor, anchor.fm slash thevgman slash support. And finally, you can also support the show via patreon.com slash thevgman. And on Patreon, you get the exclusive benefit of getting early access to my podcasts. All support is greatly, greatly appreciated, no matter how big or how small. It all goes to support this show. Thank you so much, and now, back to it. Stick around. Welcome back, everyone. I just got finished eating eating some dinner. Um, some dinner. Um, the... I went to all AEW live on December 1st and it was just such a, a blast of a time. And the way it was structured was interesting. They ended up taping um, three different shows on one night. It was about four and a half hours in length, like from, from the open it from the first match to the last match of the night. Um, that was the night that Cody put Cody Rhodes put Andrade. Uh, uh, through a fire, through a table that was on fire, and that was just—it was so much fun. You know, it, it was cool being there in the crowd, being there with all the wrestling fans who were talking about it. In some cases, more nerdy about it than I was, and it's—I—I—it's it, I, one of those where I'll—I'll I'll never forget it, and it was a. It was a ton of fun. I, I follow some of modern wrestling, but I don't... It's not something... It, it, when it comes to... Like, WWE has Raw and SmackDown as shows, and I, I just can't watch them anymore. They're just really, really bad. But AEW will occasionally do some good stuff and some fun stuff, and some stuff that's actually likable. And the... The probably the highlights of the show were watching Sting wrestle, which is somebody I grew up on as a kid, and also watching um, 
watching um, uh, the Flaming Table Spot, which is something that I never thought I'd actually see in person. It was it was a blast. There isn't really a whole lot to say about it. The, I had a Philly cheesesteak at the building. It was really, really nice. Um, Jurassic Express, the tag team, is really, really over with the crowd. A lot of the kids were getting into the music and everything that was going on. That's one thing I noticed about the crowd is that there's actually a lot more kids at AEW than um, not than WWE, but um, more kids overall than it used to be. Like when it first started, it was just adults that were there in the crowd, but now it's like parents bringing their kids because they the kids have started watching the product and they like it, and it was just inspiring and enjoyable. Everybody was super nice. It was a fun night. I really hope I get a chance to do it again sometime. Um, yeah, I don't have a ton more for the podcast this week because there there wasn't a whole lot of things that I was able to watch or keep up with. But um, there, this is two podcasts in December. And so partly it's because I'm waiting for the uh next major thing that I need uh, I want to review I like in, talking about Spider-Man talking about Halo's campaign going more into detail about Warzone's new map because that just launched today but I haven't had much time to play it or see what it's all about um but uh, um apologies for missing the November podcast but the um I will have the the second one, obviously I've mentioned that like a, probably a dozen times at this point. Um there let's see here, I'm trying to make sure I don't forget anything because there's always something that I'm like, oh, you know, I should have mentioned that or I should have talked about that. And I want to make sure I cover all my bases. Um Oh, uh, My Hero Academia, the, recently the manga has gotten really, really good. Um, there's some crazy twists and turns. It's tough to talk about without spoiling, so I'm not going to. Just saying, if you if you love My Hero Academia, definitely read the manga so you can be ahead of the TV show. Which would, The TV show will take a little while for new episodes, so you might it might be more of a waiting game. Um... But I'll, um, that I, that's it for uh, this podcast. Um, I appreciate everybody for tuning in to this episode. And um, I will see everybody on the next show. Um, have, a, have, a good, have a good rest of your week. And, you know, be easy, be safe, enjoy life, all, all that stuff. All right, see ya.